Hello, my little darklings. You're in for a treat. Joining me here on the Paranormal 60 Network is one of my favorite people in the entire world. Jeff Belanger has been a longtime contributor to all programs I've ever been a part of. He is one of the best friends I've ever had, and he is the co-creator of the New England Legends podcast which is now joining us Tuesdays. You'll be able to tune in and check out fascinating episodes where they examine amazing stories with M. Night Shyamalan twists and turns. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this edition of New England Legends. Ray, do you ever wonder what people did before the days of, you know, streaming television, internet, cell phones, podcasts, or even radio? You mean the Stone Age. (laughs) Yeah, the Stone Age. Or say 125 years ago, which is an eye blink in the scale of human history. I mean, think about this. My great-grandfather was alive 125 years ago, to give you a little perspective. That's literally two people ago. Yeah, I guess it wasn't all that long ago when you put it that way. Now, what do you think people did to amuse themselves 125 years ago before all that stuff? Uh, I don't know. I guess they actually talked to each other, (laughs) maybe read books, tended to horses. (laughs) Right. Of course, the horses. We forgot the horses. Uh, And I'm sure people did some of those things, but they also spent some time chasing legends. Sometimes a story so good it'll make the local newspapers and people get curious enough to go check it out for themselves. Is that what we're chasing this week? A legend that made the paper and got people buzzing? That's exactly what we're doing, Ray. So grab your keys. We're heading to Meriden, Connecticut to search for the Meeting House Hill ghost. I'm Jeff Belanger. And I'm Ray Osier. Welcome to episode 290 of the New England Legends podcast. Thanks for joining us on our mission to chronicle every legend in New England one story at a time. Whether it's ghosts or monsters, UFOs, roadside oddities, or the just plain weird, most of our story leads come from you. So please share our episodes with a friend or two. It's how we continue to grow and find new stories each and every week. Also check out our super secret New England Legends Facebook group. 8,000 people strong now, and you can watch the New England Legends television series on Amazon Prime anytime. Now, before we go looking for this Meriden, Connecticut ghost, we want to take just a minute to tell you about our sponsor, New Audio Herbals. It's been windy out there lately, Ray. It has. The seasons are getting ready to change. And it's time to come out of hibernation and start moving again. It's time to try Wind Dancer Tea from New Audio Herbals. Wind Dancer Tea is a great blend of green tea, peppermint, yerba mate, ginger, and many other all-natural ingredients that will help get your body energized and moving. It's a great tea to get you going in the morning or, you know, get through that post-lunch afternoon slump. Absolutely. So many Nuati Herbals products have become a regular part of our lives. When you make your own tea, you save money. Plus, take a well-deserved break in your day to make some time for yourself. It's good for your body, mind, and spirit. Let New Audi Herbals help support your healthy lifestyle. Check out the New Audi Herbals website to see their great products, and you'll get 20% off your order when you use the promo code LEGENDS20 at checkout. Visit NewAudiHerbals.com. That's N-U-W-A-T-I, Herbals, with an S, dot com. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap? Read a book? Or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you 
so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's better. Help, H-E-L-P dot com slash P60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on. And if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. Betterhelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide. So, we are heading to Meriden, Connecticut to search for a ghost. Yeah, that's the plan. A ghost investigation that made the headlines way back in 1895. Now, Jeff, this isn't our first trip to Meriden. Nope, no it's not. Back in episode 118, we came here searching for the black dog of Hubbard Park. We did. And, if I remember correctly, we found plenty of black dogs in the park, too. (laughs) We did. Good point. So if you put on cable TV or streaming TV today, uh, you know there are dozens of ghost hunting shows. But you work for the biggest one. Yeah, that's true. I've worked with Ghost Adventures as a researcher and writer for 15 years now, ever since episode one. It's crazy, right? Yeah, that's a long run for sure. We didn't invent paranormal investigating. No, 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 no. It's been around for a long time. It's fair to say more than a century, right? Yeah, absolutely. So way back in 1936, Harry Price wrote a book called Confessions of a Ghost Hunter. And he wasn't the first either. But it's kind of fair to call him maybe the first pop culture ghost hunting icon. Now, paranormal investigating is an offshoot of psychical research, which came around as a byproduct of the spiritualist movement that, of course, began in a little town called Hydesville, New York, back in 1848. Right, the Fox sisters. Yeah. They became the first celebrity touring psychics. And they brought the idea of spirits and spirit communication into the mainstream. Now, if you trace the lineage of all the paranormal shows today, that line will run right back through Harry Price, through psychical research, and eventually through the Fox sisters. And if this Meriden, Connecticut ghost investigation made the headlines back in 1895, then we're talking before Harry Price, too. Yeah, we are. Uh, okay, up here, we're going to make a right onto South Curtis Street. All right, got it. And we're going to head up this long, gradual hill. Okay. I know it's not much of a hill, but the area right over there is called Meeting House Hill. Let's pull over here. This isn't the best place to stop. Yeah. This is somewhat of a busy road. There's houses on either side of the street, but the properties are kind of spread out. Over that way would have been Meeting House Hill. Now, today it's houses, streets, and condos over there. But that's not how it looked 125 years ago. Back then, it was more open land, featuring a pond, a natural spring, and a ghostly mystery that a local reporter aimed to solve. But did he? So let's head back to 1895 and search for the Meeting House Hill ghost. 
It's August of 1895 here in Meriden, Connecticut. President Grover Cleveland is in the White House, and Levi Coe is the mayor of Meriden. The song America the Beautiful by Massachusetts native Catherine Lee Bates was just published, and the sport of volleyball was just invented a few months ago by William Morgan out in Holyoke, Massachusetts. But here in Meriden, there's strange talk of ghosts in town. Strange talk indeed. Now, though there's plenty of people in town who don't believe in ghosts in Meriden or anywhere else for that matter, there are many who will swear under oath that there are ghosts afoot around here. And the epicenter seems to be the Meeting House Brook that runs into Booth's Pond on South Curtis Street. It's a popular spot to take a drink from the spring water or go for a swim in the pond in the summer, ice skate in the winter, or just go for a stroll. And when we mean people will take an oath they've seen the ghost, we mean literally. Ray, go ahead and read the list of gentlemen in town who swear they've seen the specter. Okay. Well, there's Edward Coleman, Joseph Casey, Joseph Loeffler, William Hogan, John Madden, Fred Bauer, Thomas F. Carney, Charles Bickford, James Hughes, Thomas Gragan, John McGuire, George Stubbins, Edward Leahy, Patrick Shortell, Edward Meany, and Mrs. Donahue. Right. A lot of reliable local people. But the first name on the list, Edward Coleman, is of particular interest because many people saw him racing up Meeting House Hill last week after seeing the ghost. Now, you don't have to believe in ghosts to see that something had Coleman frightened out of his wits. And before you go thinking that Coleman is a guy who scares easily, you should know that he worked for years as the assistant undertaker to D.K. Murphy in town. He's used to being around graveyards and dead people. He doesn't rattle. Today, Coleman works for the Wilcox Silver Plate Factory. He's the kind of person you can set your watch by. Now, one odd note is that Coleman has said the water at Meeting House Brook Spring hasn't tasted the same since the ghost started showing up. Coleman isn't the only person to drink from the spring either. Even the town superintendent, the Honorable Charles Parker, drinks from this spring. Some locals come here to fill jugs to bring the water home. It's a popular place with plenty of foot traffic. Now, the ghost doesn't seem confined to just the spring and brook either. A few days ago, some locals said the ghost was spotted on the property of Bill Stoughton, who lives just a short distance from the spring. Bill Stoughton, the one they call Sailor Bill because of his tattoos. Yeah, that's the one. Now, he's been learning to play the cornet. Sailor Bill lives like a hermit all alone. And they say when Bill saw the specter coming, he grabbed his horn. And played home sweet home out of his window until the ghost fled. We should go ask Bill if that really happened. Yeah, why not? I mean, the house is right over there. I hope he's willing to talk to us. What do you want? Hi, Sailor Bill. Is it true you saw the Meeting House Hill ghost and scared him off with your cornet? <laughs> I don't think we're wanted here, Ray. Ray, you coming? I'll catch you up in a second. All right, so uh, Bill yelled through the door that he never saw any ghosts. Huh. He doesn't believe in ghosts, and he'd have no fear sleeping out by the spring all night. Huh. So just a rumor then, I guess. Uh, let's try some of the other neighbors. Excuse me, Mr. Fernley? Have you or your wife seen the ghost by the Meeting House Hill Spring? Another uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's wait for dark and go check out the spring and Booth's Pond for ourselves. Okay, the spring's just up ahead. 
Oh, it looks like we're not the only people looking for this ghost tonight. No, I guess we're not. I can see kids with their parents on a blanket over there. There's some older men passing a bottle around between them. And, of course, some kids messing around (laughs) in the woods. We should ask around and find out what people know. Uh, Excuse me, what do you know about the haunting here? Uh, Have you seen the, the ghost here? Do you think it's true? Wait, wait. Last winter? Really? They live over on Broad Street? Oh, that must have been a sight. Okay, I learned something interesting. Yeah, me too. You, you go first. Okay, last year, on January 26th, three children drowned in Booth's Pond while ice skating. Whoa. I mean, the ice broke, and Mabel Yotch, Frederick Schrader, and Henry Reitler were all lost. That's horrible. Yeah. And that's not the kind of event a community would forget about. No, not at all. What did you learn from the locals? So everyone seems to agree the buzz about ghosts here around the pond started about two weeks ago. What happened two weeks ago? Well, one of the kids I talked to said that all this started after a group of boys spent an afternoon swimming at Booth's Pond. They came up to the spring to get a drink where they found some younger kids hanging around. One of the older boys started telling them all kinds of ghost stories. When the younger boys left to go home, the older boys hung back just a minute before they sprinted out of here, screaming at the younger boys that they should run too, because a ghost was right behind them. (laughs) Okay, got it. So the kids ran all the way home. Yeah, yeah, but there's more. Oh, okay, go on. Well, the next night, the older boys convinced the younger ones to come back to the area. They even got one of their friends to dress in a white sheet and dance around the spring. That's all it took. Okay. (laughs) And this all happened at the place where some of these kids may have lost some friends just a year and a half ago. Right. So the boys tell others who tell others, and maybe even Edward Coleman saw the white-sheeted figure, or maybe he saw something else in the place where three children died. And once a few adults say something, the story really started to spread at the point where the local newspaper had to conduct a ghost investigation. One of the last lines of the article concludes, and I quote, Spirits were seen in there Saturday evening, for several happy Germans were observed to produce pint flasks from their coat pockets and take frequent nips. (laughs) And that brings us back to today. I'm not sure why pointing out that they were German was important (laughs) to this story, but we're reading directly from the August 26th, 1895, The Journal from Meriden, Connecticut. So is this one of those cases where the ghost story was just made up, you think? Well, according to this newspaper account, yes. But what shocks me is that the article makes no mention of the drowning at Booth's Pond just the previous winter. I mean, I wonder if this reporter had an agenda to disprove something rather than report. Well, three deaths do seem significant to the story. I agree. Either way, in August of 1895, Meriden was in a kerfuffle for weeks. Everyone was buzzing about it and checking it out. And because there was no TV, internet, radio, podcast, cell phones, or anything like that back then, people had to go check out a ghostly legend for themselves. They did. They took a more active role in their legend hunting. But that list of names of all the people who swore that they had seen the ghost, what do you make of that? I think at least some of those people had an experience, and they weren't ashamed to admit it. And maybe some of those people were friends, neighbors, or even relatives of the three children who drowned. The reporter did check with people who lived by Meeting House Hill Spring, and those folks said they saw nothing. But others clearly had at least heard or felt something. Sometimes a reporter gets overzealous, thinking if they look into it and find nothing when they go out there, well, then there can't be a ghost. Now, what I find interesting is the reporter named names left and right in this article. Yeah. Here's a group of people who swear they've seen a ghost. Here's neighbors who say there's no ghost. But 
Then the alleged boys who made the whole thing up aren't named at all. All right. Just a group of kids who live on Broad Street. And so the ghostly mystery case isn't closed. All the people from Meriden and surrounding communities who heard about this haunt came to the location to see it for themselves. And they must have remembered the loss of the three children the previous winter. That haunts them. And even if they don't spot any specters on their trip to the pond in spring, they still become part of the story. And now we're all a part of the story, which brings us to After the Legend, where we take a deeper dive into this week's legend, sometimes veer off course. After the Legend is brought to you by our Patreon patrons for just three bucks a month. It's like buying me and Ray less than one gallon of gas. (laughs) And for that, you'll get early access to new episodes, plus bonus episodes and content that no one else gets to hear. If you can help us out, please head over to patreon.com slash New England Legends to sign up. So there's so much more to say. Uh, on this one. The area that is uh, Meeting House Hill and South Curtis Street is pretty well developed now at this point. None of the homes uh, look like they're more than, say, 50 years old or so at the most. And so I wonder if any of them have any sort of like hauntings going on and they're like, why is our house haunted? No one's died here. Right. If you're one of those houses, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Is it common that land would be haunted, an area would be haunted. Sure. You run across a lot of those. Because I, I think most people think of houses being haunted. Yeah, yeah. No, I worked on a story once. Um, a woman's home, which was only like 20 years old or something, she said she was, uh, this was in Tennessee, and she was uh, doing laundry in the basement, and they had one of those windows at the top of, you know, the, the you know, just a little tiny skinny yeah, window yeah. at the top of a basement. And she said she could see these feet Ooh. walking like two feet above the grass like just in the air and, yeah. and, and they were like just the legs and she was so freaked out. And then she learned that the site where her very modern house was built was an old civil wars field hospital. Oh, and of course the, the grass would have been graded, you yeah. know, for a lawn. And so maybe two feet up would have been about where the land was. So oh, she yeah. felt like her property was haunted by nothing that ever happened in her house, but on the land where it was. And that's not the first, um, you know, I, I hear a story like that. Um, Two more newspaper articles worth mentioning about this particular case. The July 1st, 1895 Record Journal mentions that Fred Froebel's young son almost drowned on Booth's Pond, but he was rescued by a fisherman who was fishing nearby, and the fisherman's name was Joseph Leffler, Mm. who you mentioned, one of the people that uh, claimed to have seen a ghost. So three kids drowned here in January of 1894. A boy almost drowned here in July of 1895. And that makes the paper. And then now it's August of 1895, one month after the almost drowning and a year and a half after the three kids drowned. And we have a ghost sighting that made the paper. And no mention, no mention of all this, right? I mean, I I would imagine the reporter may have been around during the drownings or at least somebody in the office was like, hey, that's the spot where the three kids drowned. So, I mean- But it never comes up. It never occurred to you that like this this is an area where, where bad things have happened. Yeah. But wait, there's more. Oh, okay. So now after um, 1890, 1895 is when um, when this event took place, August, uh, a, a newspaper article from 1896 mentions that the owner of Booth Pond had then decided to close it to ice skating, and it took him two seasons to made, make that decision. Then, <laughs> we're going to go a little bit ahead, and I, I, I just went further and further down the rabbit hole. In 1900, George Kane was out hunting near Booth Pond and saw Harold Bailey at a distance. He shot and killed Bailey and was found guilty of manslaughter. Oh, my God. That's at the pond. But wait. There's more. 1903, another boy drowned in Booth Pond, bringing the death hole to four children and one adult in the span of eight years. Wow. 
and so uh, sometime after 1906, the pond was actually drained because you know the owners were just like, "This is my good." Wouldn't you? Yeah, right, absolutely. Um, so anyway, I, as a reporter, like, pond. How do you how do you cover a story like that? Right. Mm. So w- when I first found this article, my thought was like, "Oh, well, it's sort of debunked." These kids said we made it up and we spooked the kids, and I went, "Well, let's do it. Let's let's cover this story." But then you have to ask yourself, well, did anyone actually die here a year and a half earlier? Yeah. Oh my God. So I think the reporter, I'm uh, then there's no name on the article. Otherwise I'd call the person out. It feels like they had an agenda. Yeah. The story was probably commissioned by the local skate shop. That's like, we can't <laughs> afford any bad press right. for the winter. It's on not this haunted. Pond. <laughs> it's not haunted. Please write that is not. Yeah. Yeah. No uh, one's buying skates anymore. They're scared. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, and it was on private land. This was just a, the booth pond. They just allowed people to fish there or yeah. hang out or swim. And, but you know, once the body count rises to five yeah. in eight years in a small town, Meriden's not, I mean, it's not a tiny town, but it's not a huge city yeah. either. And then you start feeling responsible if you're the, the owner of the property. Right. You know, you're, you, you don't want that thing open. Right. Right. You don't want to be the cause of distress Never mind deaths. Yeah. So the pond's removed, but um, but yeah, to me, so we've commented in the past how the press sometimes handles a haunting story. Sometimes it's silly. They find the most ludicrous story uh, and 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 go with that just to make it sound like a buffoon. Mm. Or you know, you go in with an agenda like I think this reporter did, which is I'll just say some kids that I won't name. He named so many names, named streets, named people, named the neighbor, named old Bill, you know, Sailor Bill. <laughs> Right? Like, oh, and, and Sailor Bill said, no, I never saw a ghost. Right. See? Stop talking about me. Yeah, stop saying I saw the ghost. I yeah. didn't. I was just playing my, my horn. Um, you know, it, and, and then suddenly uh, it felt like he had an agenda. When you bury this fact that three kids died a year and a half ago and one kid almost died one month ago. Mm. Seems pretty important to me. Maybe something totally different happened and the whole town was covering something else up. And they didn't want to talk about anything. <laughs> so, I mean, but I mean, if I'm telling you a ghost story and I go... You remember those kids are drowned. That was right here. Yeah. Like those kids would have known the, probably knew the kids. Probably. Right. You're all young children in the same school district. Like you must have known those kids. Shame on the older boys too, for bringing up such a tragic event. Boys are And using that. Kids are terrible. Really? (laughs) Come on. My God. Remember your friends that died last year? They're haunting you right now. Yeah. Oh, Oh. we just saw their ghost run for it. Yeah. And then go as far as getting dressed up and running around and dancing around like a ghost. When you know the background. And you imagine all the adults, the guys, the Germans, I guess. (laughs) I don't know why they had to be German. But like they came from Germany for this. Like the local Germans were passing a bottle around. The adults are picnicking. They're bringing their kids. Like, let's go look for the ghost. They knew. They knew what happened there. You'd think you'd stay away from that area. Not go ghost hunting. Well, I mean, but sometimes the story is so compelling that you're just like, well, Boy, these these list of adults say they've seen the ghost. They, I know, I know some of those folks. They're reasonable people. I know this horrible event occurred right there. Mm. Let's well, let's go look. Ugh. Right? I know it seems a little bit too soon to me, but but that's the way this stuff works. Sometimes is that something leaves a mark or a stain that never gets washed away. If you've got a strange story in New England, we simply must check out. Please reach out to us anytime through our website. Most of our story leads come from you. We appreciate it when you get involved. Please subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts because it's free. And be sure to share our show with a friend or two. That's how we grow. 
Hey, we'd like to thank Jerry from the Hillbilly Horror Podcast for having me and Ray on his latest episode of the show. Yeah, thanks, Jerry. You should check that one out. Thank you to our sponsor, New Audio Herbals. Thank you to our Patreon patrons. And our theme music is by John Judd. Until next time, remember, the bazaar is closer than you think. Mm-hmm.